Welcome to the Dark Side of the Full Moon podcast. I'm Jennifer Silliman, and this show is continuing the conversations started in the award-winning first-ever documentary film about maternal mental health. My journey as an advocate began through the power of storytelling. With this podcast, I hope to create a community of women and professionals sharing their own powerful narratives to let others know they're not alone and help is out there. Keep in mind that some of the stories you will hear may be triggering, but it's important they be told. This podcast is not a replacement for professional help from a licensed medical provider. If you or someone you know is suffering due to a maternal mental health condition, please contact your medical provider or call or text message the Postpartum Support International Helpline at 1-800-944-4773. Now let's continue the conversation. Hi there, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Dark Side of the Full Moon. I am welcoming Katie Spencer to the show today. Hi, Katie. Hi, Jennifer. I'm so excited to have you here to share your story, and I know you've heard um, my episode podcasts um, or my podcast episodes before. So you kind of know, I just led it up to, to my, to my mom, to, to the dad, to families to just share their story wherever you want to start. And I will of course jump in um, where I feel necessary, but typically you guys just are so great at sharing. You're a great writer. Um, you write and you just posted a blog that was so intriguing. So please touch on that. Um, it was just, it was so powerful. So I'm really excited for everyone, for everyone to hear your story. Thank you. Um, yes, I, my story, I feel like started close to six years ago when I was pregnant with my first um, daughter. I, you know, lived with depression and anxiety for the majority of my life, but I did not, I was not aware of depression during pregnancy. It just, for my knowledge in mental health, it just never clicked with me. No one told me um, it was my choice to go off my medication and I did. And about um, eight weeks in, it was a nightmare. Um, I suffered in silence for a long time, but I had very intense intrusive thoughts. Um, I want, I just wanted, um, I wanted to die. I didn't want the pregnancy. It was really hard for me to share that with my husband. It was, a, you know, it was a planned pregnancy. Um, and it was, it was really, really challenging to speak up and then go to my psychiatrist and say, you know, I'm, I'm not okay. Uh, and thankfully, my OBGYN and my psychiatrist um, spoke to each other and kind of agreed on a medication that would be safe for the baby. And then it was probably around 20 weeks of into my pregnancy where I started to see the light and I started to be a little bit excited. And I, and I shared with people that I, um, that I was pregnant. I, I wasn't showing, I lost, um, over 40 pounds when I was pregnant. I wasn't eating. I had no desire to eat. I had morning sickness all day long. And then I just, I, I think it was my way of just like handling the situation as, I mean, as bad as that sounds, I just, I really, it was not, it was, it was just, I I hated it. I hated eating. I hated being pregnant. Um, it was actually my sister-in-law. I went to lunch with her and I, uh, I said to her, did you ever not want to be pregnant? And she gave me a very, very honest, honest answer and said, well, yeah, when I was like 38 weeks pregnant or 39 weeks pregnant, I was ready to like have them out. And I, and 
I thought about that and that was about week 12 and I was like, okay, that's not, so what I'm experiencing isn't normal. So that just that basic conversation with my sister-in-law gave me the courage, honestly, to, to speak to my OB and to speak to my psychiatrist. So I'm forever thankful for her um, for just being honest with me. Um, so I had, you know, overall a healthy um, delivery. Um, anxiety started to really come into play uh, pretty early on at um, postpartum anxiety. And I was in denial of that. I was on the lookout for postpartum depression. I you know, even though I have an anxiety diagnosis, I did not, um, I wasn't on the lookout. I was like, oh, I'm lo I love my daughter. I'm super excited. And, you know, I was showing her off and it, it just all felt natural to me. Um, but it was, it was really, really challenging. And even it probably well into, she's five. And it wasn't until she was about two and a half years old that I felt comfortable taking her out in public or being out in public with her. And it didn't, I mean, especially alone, like me taking her out alone, but even with my husband or like a friend, I had so much anxiety about being anywhere in public with my daughter. Um, and I never realized how much it was um, affecting my life. Uh, so then when the pandemic happened and my, and I had um, just given birth to my my son, my second child, um, I was on the lookout for, for postpartum anxiety, but I, I had um, definitely severe postpartum um, depression. And I think um, I kind of, I call it like a perfect storm. I, I think my, I, I think the way things happened, um, I believe in God's timing. So like the way things happened, it all aligned. But um, my mom who had been battling um, Alzheimer's disease died on March 11th. Um, and then my, my son, I chose to get induced because I, my fear um, during my pregnancy was um, that I would go into labor either during her funeral or my water break. So, and we knew her time was, was limited. Um, so when she passed away March 11th, I, my sister, my, one of my sisters came to me and was like, what do you wanna do? Should we like rush this funeral? Should we prolong it? Like, wh like what's the deal? I said, you know what? I'm gonna call my, call my OB, see where, see how far dilated I am, see if the baby's in distress. And I went and I, they were very, very kind to me, very sensitive to my situation. And I chose to be induced. And the timing of, the birth is, is remarkable. Um, and it just kind of all interlinked with what my mom was going through the day before. Um, you know, just even with the time that she got, the time that my mom got um, morphine to be comfortable was the same time that I got an epidural. The time that I was comfortable um, was around the same time that others told me that she was comfortable and, and at peace. And it, it kind of just all came together. Um, my, and my dad had said that he had, you know, had an exchange with my mom around, uh, 3 30 AM. And that's honestly when I started to feel a lot of, um, pressure. And I was only, I was only like four centimeters dilated for hours and there was like no progress at all. And I was really feeling, um, discouraged, but I, I just was kind of, okay, this is where I need to be. Um, I was surprisingly calm during all of this. Uh, so 
I felt a lot of pressure. I asked the, for the doctor to check my cervix and it was about 345 um, that my sister actually was holding my mom's hand and giving her a kiss. And that's when the doctor, 335 or 3.45 AM told me that um, he could see my son's head and that he was just good. We were gonna start um, the process of, of pushing. And I think that's when like my emotions were in complete, complete overdrive. Um, I said to my nurses, like my mom died at 4.02 AM. And I, and so I was just, you know, and here it was 3.45 AM, you know, uh, I started pushing around 3.55. My son, I was told to stop pushing. uh, And I really believe it was 4.02 AM that I was told to stop pushing because his umbilical, the umbilical cord was wrapped around him. But my son was born at 4.07 AM. So just, 24 hours and like five minutes after my, my mom passed away. Um, and I just, when I look at my son, like he just looked like my mom, he had my mom's blue eyes and, and just, he would, I just felt like I was holding a piece of my mom. Um, and so like, I treasure that I treasure that time. And I treasure that he, I feel like is my last gift from my mom. Um, but at the same time, uh, it led to a storm of, of postpartum depression. Um, sorry. I'm like, (laughs) I'm trying to like, please no, take your time and process it. You know, this is all very fresh. Um, and it's interesting. I have guests that come on that are, you know, far removed from their experience. And then I have guests come on, um, because you, you were the one who you reached out to me. I have moms reach out to me all the time, but you reached out and you said, I need to tell my story. I want to share my story. And then what I typically do is I go back through um, Facebook feeds <laughs> of those that message me and go, okay, yeah. so what's the timeline? Like, what's going on? Do they already blog? Do they, you know, because mm-hmm. we didn't exchange a lot of information. It was really yeah. just your name and email. And what time can you come on? Uh, so, you know, I, I, I usually go back through and I try to figure things out. And it's so interesting to me when I look at timelines and I'm just like, oh my gosh, like this happened. I mean, this is like very recent. Um but I think it's, I think, and you probably feel this way too, because I know you like, you love to write. Um, and on a side note, I'm always so jealous of those that can write so well, because I'm a terrible writer. I'm a much better speaker, which is why I do a <laughs> podcast and I don't have like a column in a magazine because that would never work. Um, but it's just so, I think it's so powerful um, one to hear a story that is still so fresh in the teller's mind, but it's also, I would imagine super therapeutic for you too, because, you know, you had mentioned, and I know you had, because you said you went off medication during your first pregnancy. So I'm assuming you were treated, you were being treated for depression, mm-hmm. um, prior to being pregnant. And of course, what most moms do is they go off their medication because the assumption is it's not safe. I don't, don't need to be taking anything, you know, I'm pregnant now. Um, and most moms do end up finding, figuring out that it, that's not the, the best choice, right. Because of all these things that are going on while we're pregnant. Um, and so I just find it, I just, I find it remarkable. Um, and so, and equally therapeutic, um, for the person telling the story. And also then for the person who's sitting and listening to this right now going, oh my gosh, like 
Exactly. And now that the pandemic is like on top of everything, that obviously is a very central theme mm-hmm. and all of, all of the women, cause now we're what, like two years that broke in 2020. So now we're like already two years. So a lot of the recent stories that I'm getting all have that, I call it the COVID blanket, like over top of what's going mm-hmm. on. Um, but the fact that your mom you know, was passing away at the, literally at the moment. Um, and I would encourage everyone to go read the post that you did and I'll link it, um, in the, in the episode here so people can read it, but it's remarkable. I mean, the timing and everything is just so remarkable. So take me through the days after the birth, um, and kind of what, you know, I would assume what you, so what, so what year, what, what time, when was, it was March, right? March of 2021. So she, she 2020, March 2020. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, geez. So that's when everything just kind of, was it everything, was anything shut down yet? Were there like any weird things going on in the hospital? So it was March 12th that I gave birth to my son and I was able to get discharged super quick. And on the 13th is when you know, they announced that we're going to shut everything down. Um, You know, we're still trying to plan a funeral. Uh, You know, it was very, very chaotic. I was in complete denial that the pandemic existed. I think I was in my bubble. I had my baby. I felt like nothing was going to touch my son. You know, I just needed to process what just happened. Um, And then it was my siblings. I'm one of eight kids. And my, some of my siblings were like, okay, like, COVID's happening. Like, I don't know if we're going to have a funeral. We're still, we, it might not happen. We're, we're trying to make it happen. Um, my one brother, God bless him. He, uh, he called me from target and he said, Katie, do you need anything? And I was like, can you get me some chocolate? And he's like, Katie, do you need anything else besides chocolate? I'm like, no, I just, I really want chocolate. And so he's a very, very giving person. He got me chocolate, but he also let me shop in the, in the trunk of his rental car. He's like, I got you toilet paper. I got you dish soap. I got you like pretzels out the wazoo. I got, you know, and all these different like stapled things that I just was like, what do I need that right. for? Oblivious. I, no that idea. I, right. I was completely oblivious, like Clorox wipes. I was, and you know, that was so hard to come by at that time. He like scored everything and let me just have at it. Um, which I'm forever grateful for him for that. Um, But we had, we did, we had my mom's viewing. Um, It was really, really hard. Um, We actually had a pretty good showing considering we had it March 16th um, was the viewing. And that's literally when everything shut down. Um, People still came. I, I, uh, I also had a postpartum hemorrhage. So I wasn't resting either. So um, there were times when I just felt like I was going to fall over. I think it was a combination of like my body saying like you just went through birth and you had trauma and you you need to sit down and rest. And then another part of it was grief. Um, so it was at certain points I just needed to sit down and I had so many people go to me like, Katie, are you okay? Are you okay? And I was like, I must look like death. Like I must look terrible. But I, but I did, I felt terrible. I felt like I was just going to pass out. And I think it was just at my body was still going through, you know, 
going through the recovery recovery, and processing everything, both physically, mentally, Mm -hmm. emotionally. I mean, that's a lot. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's, that's a lot compounded kind of, I mean, you're, when you say the perfect storm, I think that's the best definition for it. Mm -hmm. I mean, March 16th, that was like the epicenter of like the whole Mm -hmm. world kind of changing. And now here you are, you know, trying to process all of that. My goodness. On March 16th, we were told that, you know, we couldn't have an after lunch um, after the funeral. So we're like, well, we don't want to cook. The grocery stores are, you know, wild and crazy right now. Like, wh- what are we going to do? Thankfully, they um, they catered to us. They cooked and they delivered it. And we had the, you know, the after funeral <laughs> luncheon at my brother's house. It was so it was so weird, but it was also so fitting because my mom was so low key and she would want just low key and it was family. And, you know, it was, it was St. Patrick's day and we're a big Irish Catholic family. So it was terribly hard, but also very fitting that that's when it was. Um, and we got to, we congregated as a family. And then, um, the aftermath, like we, I went home, like March 18th is my birthday. So, um, March 18th, everyone went home, everyone kind of, you know, I started watching the news and I was like, well, what, what's going on? My husband was trying to tell me this for weeks. And then, you know, all of a sudden I'm going, what's going on with the world? And he's just like, yeah, that's what I was trying to tell you in the hospital. I was like, I'm, I was busy. I was busy in the hospital. I didn't have time for what you were saying. Um, but uh, that's when I think I started to sit with what just a, what happened. Um, I didn't realize the depth of the pandemic. No one did at that point in time. Um, I wasn't fully processing um, that I just went through like a very traumatic experience and, you know, um, a great loss. And, you know, that I had my, my son and my four-year-old and her world turned upside down. Um, She didn't understand that my mom had passed. Um, She didn't understand why she couldn't go to preschool. Um, she didn't understand the idea of when, you know, when mommy's breastfeeding, you know, you can't jump on me, you can't, you know, do certain things. And it it was, it was very hard for her. And, um, I started to have a lot of rage, um, which I think, I think it was mixed with my depression, but I also think it's a form of grief too. Like, I, I think it just kind of compounded, um, into each other, um, it was hard. I mean, I wrote about this in one of my blogs. It was hard to just like make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And I always felt like my daughter was like wanting peanut butter and jelly or wanting Cheez-Its or like goldfish crackers or milk. And I was like, you need to like get away from me. And I, I didn't say it that nicely, but I was like, you need to, I, I can't, I can't handle this. And my son, I felt like he was constantly cluster feeding. Um, so my husband thankfully was like, you know, formula, like let's, let's start to implement this in. And I will say I was very, my first pregnancy and I breastfed and I was kind of hesitant to formula. Um, but with my son, I was open to like, okay, we could start supplementing. Like I need, I need a break. Like I can't, I can't continue to do this. This is just too much. Um, but it was really hard and it's still very like hard for me to, to process was it's really hard for me to look at my son. Um, and for the first year, it was extremely difficult to look at my son. It was whether it was tears or, and like pure joy of like, 
he got to meet my mom. I believe that he met my mom. Um, and then other times it was anger. Other times it was like, I can't look at you. I can't have you in the same room. Like you need to be away from me. So it was, and he has her eyes. So it was just, it's a constant reminder. I consider it a constant blessing, but it was something that was extremely hard to, to go through, to, to kind of process. I had someone tell me, my, um, one of my mental health care providers said, she's like, I, when you were going through it, I wanted to fix it, but there was nothing to fix. You had to go, like, you had to go through grief. You lost your mom, like, and you, you needed to take care of your son and your daughter. So it, she's like, I want, I, I couldn't fix it for you. I wanted to, but so much of it was just, you had to process this hard reality. Um, I, like I said, I, I work in mental health and I've been, you know, been connected to mental health services for a long time, um, but maternal um, mental health care professionals were few and far between and still are, but I think we're making some progress, but um, trying to get a new, um, a new therapist that specialized in that was, um, was very traumatizing to, to me um, because I felt like I was finally reaching out for help. Um, and saying like, I, you know, I can't do this and therapy, like via telehealth just wasn't my thing. And I just felt like it, it was just, sorry, I want to, I feel like I'm not telling that part good, but, um, in like July of 2020, things started to get like really bad. Um, my rage was no longer contained to my house going to a park, I remember flipping out and not even realizing that I was flipping out. And my husband was just like, what is going on? Like you're, you're cursing in public and like, you're like, we're going home. Like what, what is, what is happening? So that was kind of like my aha moment of like, I couldn't even control it. I didn't even realize that I was cursing and I, I don't, I'm not much of a, I curse enough, but I'm not, you know, I, I, I'm not a sailor. So like it was, and I would, I wouldn't do it in front of my, I try not to do it in front of my kids. And I certainly don't do it in public with, you know, with my kids around. Um, so that was kind of like a aha moment for me and kind of like, you know, I need to get this under control. Maybe this is more than just me grieving my mom. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm depressed. Um, and then I, and I was, I wasn't talking about my suicidal thoughts. I wasn't, I wasn't sharing that with people. Um, I would say, I just want to drive away. Like I would say that, but I wouldn't elaborate. I wouldn't tell people, you know, how I was really feeling. And it was late July that I started to reach out for, to, for specialized help. And I was left with voicemails. I was left with them no longer practicing there. Um, thankfully I did find, um, a therapist who I connected with very well. Um, and she did in person and, that was like the start. So like August of the, was the start of like, okay, like I'm going to accept that I have postpartum depression. I'm going to accept that I, you know, that my mom died. Um, but every month was a reminder, like the taking the, the photos was anxiety written with my daughter because you want the perfect shot, whatever, you know, firstborn. But with my son, it was just like, my mom's been gone five months. My mom's been gone seven months, but you know, so it was We're literally photographing a timeline. Yes. I mean, the number is actually in the picture. Like it, mm -hmm. it was, it was, oh my goodness. So that was really, really, um, it was really hard, but it was August that like, I 
if someone asked me how I was doing, especially a family member or a close friend, I was actually honest. I said, it, I, you know, I'm, I'm not good and I'm not doing good. Um, so I think once I started to be honest with myself and honest with others, not just my husband, um, kind of saw, you know, glimmers, glimmers of hope, glimmers of light. Um, I uh, actually started working part time. Um, I went to my employer and I said, you know, it's, it's too much for me. This is, it's just too much. So thankfully, um, they were able to reduce my hours and I'm still working part-time. Um, but that was a, that like, I had to swallow my pride and say like, I, I can't, I can't do this. My mental health, it, it was, it was really, it was failing. Like I, I was almost hospitalized, you know, just because of my, my thoughts. Um, thankfully we were, we were able to work through that. Um, my provider was very, um, good when she's like, well, why don't you just get on this medication? I'm like, that's not safe while breastfeeding. And she didn't push me, but through conversation, we said that that was the one thing that I actually didn't mind. Once we started supplementing the formula, it wasn't as bad. It was like, that was my time with him. And I didn't, it came easy to me. I know it doesn't come easy to a lot of women, but it came easy to me. Um, and it reminded me in a positive way of my mom. Um, you know, her having a kid, she always had a baby, always had a baby in her hand. Um, but, uh, that part was easy. So I, so she was very respectful and said, okay, then we, you know, we'll continue on with this medication. Maybe we'll raise it or try to, you know, try to do something. Um, so I managed to breastfeed for nine months and it was actually right around the, the year mark, March of 2021. I was like, I, I, can't, I still, I can't do this. And I felt like it was the closing of a book. Like I didn't need to document it anymore. I didn't need to say like, he's nine months, he's 10 months. Um, but then it was like a whole year. This is a, a child's whole year. And it, my mom wasn't there. And so it was another like timeline, another um, just piece of my story that, or like, it felt like it was missing. Like it just, it, it was very, um, I don't have another word. Like it was hard. Like it was just, it was, it was a hard thing to, to process. Um, so I went on long story short, I went on another medication at that point, And that really started to, to help me. Um, and I just continue now I have good and bad days. Um, I try to advocate as much as I can for more maternal mental health specialists in our area and just knowledge of it. Um, just saying, you know, um, perinatal mood and anxiety disorders instead of just postpartum depression um, and trying to tell people, you know, what it is um, and how it affects so many women and it doesn't discriminate. Um, and I, I feel like my mom is telling me to tell my story. I was always kind of an anxious kid and not, you know, she had to like push me to soccer practice. Like you like this, you're pretty good at it. Like go. And I, and I wouldn't, I didn't want to, but I feel like, I feel like the timing of her death and my son, like was her kind of like pushing me that final last time. Like you, you need, you need to fly. Like you need to go. Like you, this is, this is your story to tell. This is what you 
um, this is what you have to have to do. Um, so I that gives me a lot of a lot of hope and um, and I you know I constantly feel her presence and I have an angel necklace with the shamrock that, that says mom um, that all my sisters have and it just it makes me feel um, close to her and my son's laugh reminds me of her. Um, I I can't say I never get angry at my son because he's too and he's a you know he's you know all over the place, but um he's so sweet and I feel like he has so much uh, similarities to my mom and um, her demeanor and she was just a very very um she, she was a beautiful beautiful soul like angel on earth like people would call her a saint you know um, and I don't think I realized how special she was until you st I started to lose her with with Alzheimer's you know little by little um, and I think even being a mom made me realize how much she she did um, so 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 my mom's yeah so my mom's name is Joan and my, my son's name is is John and so they mean the same thing um, God is gracious and so I feel like it's a very, very fitting, fitting name. And actually I would tell my mom every time I visited her that I was pregnant and every time, nine out of 10 times she, actually no, not nine out of 10 times. Sometimes I wouldn't get any reaction at all or other times it'd be like, oh, that's great. You know, she would give me some type of reaction for, you know, towards the end, she wasn't really able to, to speak. Um, but I told her that I was planning to name him John and she squeezed my hand. And that was the first time that I felt like she really congratulated me, like, re like really connected with me. Like I had that, I actually had that February before she was, before she passed. So um, it just felt right. Um, you know, I, I know every parent, it, it, the name game is, is a hard thing to do. And we went back and forth and um, it's just a, it's really fitting. My, my dad's name is Patrick and he's born around St. Patrick's day. And, um, so my, my son's name is John Patrick and we call him, call him Jack. Um, so he's just, he, he's beautiful. And my daughter is, is beautiful and they are, um, as challenging as motherhood is and as challenging as the last, um, two years and even, you know, the six years, you know, um, since becoming a mom, it was, it's worth it. I, I know, like I, I say, like, I wouldn't have walked through my story if I wasn't forced to, you know, like I, I did not choose to have my mom die when she did. I did not choose to, I, yes, I chose to go off my medication, but if I had known that I would be, you know, suicidal and, and want, you know, not wanting the pregnancy, I would have, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. I stayed on my meds with my son, you know, it was, um, you, you learn, um, and I believe that I, this, you grow, you grow with hardship and you, this story, I feel like this is, this is my story to, to tell. This is my, every story is unique. And I, and I know that this is a unique situation. And I, um, I tell my therapist, I said, you know, I, I Google like loss pregnancy and you you get a different 
you get a different Google search than what I was looking for. And I did have a miscarriage between my, my two children. And so that was, you know, played a part in it too, of like, wow, God's timing. Like I was, you know, my son was supposed to be born when he was. Um, but I just feel like when I gave birth to my first daughter, I wanted my mom and my mom was still very much in with her Alzheimer's. Like she wasn't, she, she was, she was with it, but not with it. And asking her questions, she would just say, I don't know. And this is a woman who had eight kids and she, I wanted that motherly advice and she wasn't there. And I feel like every, every woman who becomes a mom, they want their mom, they, whether they want them right there in the delivery room or whether they just want them to, to hold the baby afterwards or give them that, that motherly advice. Um, so I, I feel like if someone could, like someone else is wanting their mom, whether they're, whether their mom died 10 years ago or just with the pandemic, they're halfway across the country and not able to see them or, you know, whatever, whatever it is. Um, it's a, it's a natural thing to want your mom after get, like after becoming a mom so that, you know, doing that Google search made me realize like, I can't be the only one, but I, maybe I'm the only one that had it happen in that time frame I don't know you know but um but it just I felt like I I needed to share my story because um I do believe sharing stories um saves lives and um and sharing stories are powerful and we're you know we're here we're we're here and we're we're living it's not always easy it's not always easy but we're it's definitely not. It's definitely not easy, but yeah, that's, it's interesting that you bring up the Google search of, of, of pregnancy or giving birth and then, and loss, because that's essentially, you know, with losing your mom and yeah, you would get completely different results. So that is not exactly what you were looking for. Um, yeah, I think your story is very unique, but I, I know that you're not the only one. Um, so I guarantee you that, after this podcast airs, you will have some new friends on social media who will certainly probably private message you and say, yes, I was losing so-and-so at this time or so, so so-and-so was very sick. And, um, and that's a really hard thing, you know, and especially with COVID, I think Mm -hmm. a lot of people were experiencing either very sick relatives or relatives that recently passed away. I mean, that's, I mean, unfortunately with COVID, I mean, that's what it was. I mean, I mean, they were putting the death rate on the television. I mean, you were seeing it tick like a, I mean, it was, it's crazy. And so I think, I think the compound of, you know, pregnancy, postpartum, and then death of family members, I mean, all those numbers were with someone and guarantee you that other things are going on in those family units, right? Grandchildren are being born, children are being born. Um, So it it just compounds everything. So, so it is February, March is right around the corner. How do you go into, into celebrating a birthday, grieving a loss and not just your child's birthday, but you, then your birthday is like right after St. Patrick's day. I mean, what, what are the feelings that come up thinking about cele- celebrating, grieving, processing still all of those things in a few weeks? That's a big question. That's a big question. That's a big question. <laughs> a big question. Um, I try to allow myself to feel my 
my emotions, whatever I'm feeling, I try to honor that um, because repressing it is not, is not helpful to me. Um, a lot of times it comes out as anger and then that's not good for, for anybody. I start, I feel mad at myself afterwards and it's not good for, for my family unit. Um, I try to be close to my mom's um, regularly. And one of the things is baking. I always kind of bake with, I grew up baking. Um, so I'll probably bake a little bit more. Maybe I'll bake some Irish soda bread. Um, I'll listen to Irish music. We, like I said, we're Irish Catholic. And um, so, and connect with my siblings, maybe a little bit more than I, than I have been um, during the month of March. And, um, you know, it was a, it lean on each other, you know, um, connect with my dad more. Um, and I think just on, just letting my emotions be my emotions, you know, don't get stuck in them, but, um, you know, you never know when grief's going to, to hit you. Um, my son's birthday was harder for me last year than the actual one year anniversary of my mom's death. Like it, so like March 11th, I, I was like, you know, this is going to be hard for me. I'm prepared. I like had therapy sessions. I was like, okay, I'm good. And, but March 12th was harder because I think it was just like that, that was a new life beginning. And so that was, that was hard. Um, have therapy lined up. I have, I have, you know, I, I, that's one of the things that I, that I really benefit from. Um, and just lean on my, lean on my supports. And I, and you mentioned before they're, you know, telling my story is, is therapeutic and it, and it is, I love to, I love to write and, um, writing is a way for me to release what I'm, what I'm feeling. Um, and it, it helps, it helps me. So I'll probably write some more and, um, just honor those feelings that I'm, that are going on. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you so much sharing your story. Um, it will help people. Um, and despite, you know, the circumstance, we, we always feel isolated. I think when we go through something like this, um, whether it's, you know, just postpartum depression, I mean, you have such a compounding story. There's so many layers to your story. Um, that I know you're not the only one, especially during this pandemic time. And, and I think you're doing a great job at processing it and, and being honest with yourself, really not having any expectations, you know, I mean, it's, it's going to be tough. And so what we do is people that are trying to process trauma and have gone through depression, anxiety is that we lean on our supports. Just like you said, we line up therapy appointments. I mean, I have therapy appointments that are very synchronized to things that are going on, on my calendar. Like, I mean, cause it's just the nature of everything and our, our and not only that, but our senses are so aware of what's going on. So, you know, you know, for me, all of my trauma happened around like Thanksgiving, Christmas. So they're very triggering seasons for me. I mean, we don't really get snow down. We don't get snow here, but <laughs> the seasons <laughs> of the, even just hearing the Christmas music and like all of that stuff is very triggering. And so, you know, St. Patrick's day and all that's, I mean, that's just very, you know, it can be triggering, but I'm, I, I'm happy to hear that you have all those supports in place. And I think, you know, with time, I think 
obviously we, we never forget, but it gets just a little bit more easier to breathe, um, during those times. And, and so I, I think your story is, it needs to be told and I'm so happy that you're telling it. Thank you. And thank you for allowing me to, to share my story. Um, you touched upon, like, I'm, I'm not the only one. And I, and with COVID, I'm sure it even skyrocketed of, I'm not the only one dealing with loss and having a baby and, you know, being isolated. Um, so, I, you know, I'm, I'm a believer if it helps one person, then it's worth, it's worth telling. Um, so I'm just thankful for the opportunity to share on your, on your platform. Um, and I plan to continue to, to share my story as much as I, as, as much as people will listen, I, you know, I, I'm on the NAMI board. I'm president of my local NAMI affiliate. And I, I always say, like, if the maternal mental health is on the agenda, I'm like, well, y'all, I'm like, you guys got to stop me if I'm going to, if you guys are still listening or what, you know, what have you, um, because I, I could just talk about it and the need. Um, and I actually, I'm starting just this just this month, I started offering um, a support group, Mama Bear support group, um, the first and second, the first and third Tuesday of the month. So I'm excited that um, I started doing that. It's something that I that I wanted to do. So um, I got that up and running, and just continuing to to share and to connect people to resources and to let people know that they're not alone um, and that you know there's there's tomorrow. You know, and it might take a long time to get to that light, but yeah, just keep keep going, keep keep living, and lean on your supports, lean on whatever whatever you can. Mm-hmm.